The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Wrap your minds around that for a second. Every spiritual bless, blessing in the heavenly places, God says is ours in Christ. That should give us reason to worship. When we sing these songs, this is not just meaningless routine that we go through. This is part of what we do. And then we go into the sermon, and then we finish the sermon, and then we go eat, right? No, this is, we worship God for what we have received. But not only that, verses uh, uh, 19 through 23 of chapter 1, we worship God for who He is. Listen to this. Verse 19 through 23, what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come and He put all things under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He is above all things and all things are under his feet. We worship him for that. When the world seems to be falling apart and going chaotic all around us, Jesus is on his throne. Amen? We worship him for who he is. We also worship God so that we don't waste our lives. In chapter 5, verses 15 through 20, The Bible here tells us, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, uh, do, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. God specifically tells us there that real worship is the way that we make sure our lives matter. If we want to waste our lives, don't worship this God. You want to waste your life? Pursue other things. But if you want your life to count and to matter and to stand throughout all of eternity, to have a legacy that doesn't just point to you but ultimately points to Christ, then redeem the time. The most wise use of time is for us to worship this God. Whether it's gathered as we sing and listen or whether as we go and we scatter and we make much of Him through our living. Real change Another part of our vision here, real change, we see this throughout Ephesians in chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, gives us this radical promise of what we will become. So I read over this again, I just couldn't, couldn't help but just stop. In verse 11 of chapter 1, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that... We who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. That He's talking about us in the end being reason for praise to the glory of Christ. 
that in the end, Jesus refers to us as his treasure. And the reason is because God's going to do a work in us that is so radical that in the end, our sinful, wayward, hellbound, running race people, we're going to be, be, be conformed to the image of Christ. And we're going to look like him. And we won't be standing at the finish line saying, yeah, I put in those extra hours. I trained for this thing. And now I can slap that, you know, 26.2 on the back of my minivan, you know. That's not what we're doing. At the end of it, we're saying, this is all due to God. This change, this promise is radical. We are at different stages in this development. Verses 16 through 19 of chapter 1 tells us, I don't see, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. See, the reality is, we read a prayer like that, and some of us are in different places. Some of us are so far away from understanding those things, we'll think we'll never get there. Some of us have walked through some junk with God, and we've seen Him be faithful, and we understand these things in a way that we couldn't any other way. And all of us are in a different place there. It is progressive, this change that God leads us through. We often have to endure what seems like cold, dark hopelessness before we feel the warmth of the light of sure and steady hope of the gospel. In, in verse 18, we often have to discover the worthlessness of our earthly treasures before we truly value the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. In, in verse 19, we often have to fail and come to the end of ourselves in order to realize and appropriate the immeasurable greatness of his grace toward us who believe, his power toward us who believe. This is progressive, and here's the kicker. We're dependent on God to grant it to us. We're dependent on Him. The, this section I just read to you tells us to give us wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. But here's what, here's what we need to understand, is when we throw this up on the wall or put this on a, on a print document from us or on a website, we're not saying that we have to muster these things up working against the desires of God, we're telling you that God wants us to have these things, that God wants to see us change, that he wants to have us conformed to the image of Christ. This is what Jesus meant in Matthew 7, 11 when he said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I mean, there are times when I feel pretty proud as a dad. I, did a pretty good job there. But I spend more times, if, if I'm honest, feeling like I've blown it. Right? God is never a blown it dad. God wants us to have all that he means for us. And we don't have to wonder about his feelings toward us. He's made it clear in the cross, and he will make it clear as we walk with him. Amen? And then skipping some of this just for the sake of time, but real purpose. We see this also in the book of Ephesians in places like chapter 2, verse 10, where, where the Bible here tells us, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Each one of us has a job to do. There are people out there in, in our day and age that are looking for purpose, that are searching for something that will give their life meaning. And here God says to us, child of God, the one who believes, the one who is in Christ, the one who has received redemption and been adopted into the family of God, he says to us, you were created for good works, which I've prepared for you to do. Let the purpose of that just wash over you as a believer. You may feel like in your stage of life, whatever's going on in your life, whether you are a student or a stay-at-home mom or you feel like you're in a dead-end job or, or whatever the case, you may feel like your life's going nowhere. Hear the purpose in the Word of God. He gives us purpose in the gospel. Each one of us has a job to do. In chapter 2, verse 17, when we share the gospel or we participate in missions, we follow the example of Jesus. Look at verse 17 in chapter 2. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. When, when you and I go to the nations, which you're going to hear about in just a second, and when we go to the neighborhood and we share the gospel and we minister for the sake of other people seeing God, we're following the example of Jesus because he came and preached to those who were far and to those who were near. He's the missionary, he's, he's the very first missionary, he's the missionary God. He sends his own son and he sends us with purpose. In chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, this will require for us to get uncomfortable. We'll even have to die to ourselves. In chapter 3, look at verse 8, it says, To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for every, everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. What Paul had to come to understand was that if he was going to follow the purpose that God had for his life, he was going to have to learn to love other people more than he loved himself. When, when Saul was persecuting Christians and arresting them and having them killed and thrown in prison... Saul wasn't loving other people more than he loved Saul. He was trying to love himself so that others might see him as the glorious person that he really saw himself to be. It wasn't until he, made him, he met Christ that Christ caused him to see just how small he was. And he calls himself the least of the saints, right? He refers to himself there as the very least of all the saints. Paul would also have to realize that he's going to have to get out of his comfort zone and reach out to people who weren't like him. I mean, Paul was a Jew of Jews. I mean, he lists out his credentials and he posts his resume and he is Jew of Jew. And who does God call him to? Those despicable, worthless Gentiles. You don't think he struggled with that in the beginning? But he surrendered himself to God and said, God, you've called me to this. I don't deserve to be yours, but Lord, you've called me to this. Help me to reach out to those who are not like me. And God changed his heart and gave him a heart for people that were on the other side. And much of, much of the New Testament is the result of that. So all throughout, very quickly this morning, all throughout the Bible... But I also just wanted you to see that all throughout Ephesians, as we walk through this book, that this is not just another book we're going to walk through. We're going to just trudge through here, and it's the Word of God, and we'll get through it, and maybe we'll learn something. I want you to see how this thing is tied up, that we have been intentional. 
Not to craft a vision statement and then hope that the Bible supports it. But we have been intentional to say, what does the Bible say to us? What does it call us to? What does it promise? And how then can we craft something here to communicate this so that we would walk in it? With that being said, with this real people, real worship, real change, real purpose, I'd like to invite our mission team up and just have them to to come and to share. Uh, Ethan is going to... uh, See, I told you that was going to be a... Is that the fastest sermon you've ever heard me preach? Yeah. So don't get used to it, right? Okay. Um, I'm going to have Ethan come up, and, uh, and I don't know how he's going to facilitate this, but Ethan, um, I'm, I'm very thankful for Ethan. He was able to lead both the teams this, this summer, uh, the team to uh, New York, and I'm not sure you were actually the lead on the team, but you were there with the team for New York, uh, and then also the team to Toronto. So hear from Ethan and those that are among you how the Lord's working. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.